Cool's recording. Lovely. You ready to go? Good. Cool. Hello, and welcome to the Shedding Light podcast, created for you by Lighthouse Family Church. I'm your host, Kewan. So join us as we talk about all things faith and how we apply these principles to our daily lives. And hello and welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Shedding Light podcast. Uh, we hope you guys will enjoy this one. Uh, this has come from just a place of feeling like we want to provide some more content for you, um, just provide some some deeper conversation. Uh, and we're starting this off with a little two-part series, building off of the current series that we are doing at church um, called In This Together, where we are just focusing and journeying with the with the Israelites and Joshua in the book of Joshua. And I'm joined today by my guest, our senior pastor, Trevor Anderson. Trev, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And thanks for setting this up, Kieran. I think it's a great initiative. And um, I think to to keep us focused during this during this time, obviously of partial lockdown until we can meet again, I think uh, this is going to serve a valuable purpose and beyond that as well. So, great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. So, Trev, we, we're starting off with this with this little two-part series called Joshua Unpacked. Um, and, you know, for those, for those of us, let's assume I've never opened the book of Joshua. I've never, <laughs> I've not read um, and, and I need a little bit of context. Maybe if, if you could just in like a, a few words, just provide some context. By the time we've joined the Israelites and Joshua in Joshua chapter one, what has happened up until that point? So in a nutshell, uh, the, the Israelites have journeyed for 40 years in the desert. Part of, the, um, of God's plan was to take them out of uh, captivity and slavery in Egypt uh, under the leadership of Moses. They started off really, really well. Obviously, through their disobedience, uh, they, they were judged by God and, and essentially condemned that whole generation to die because of their unbelief in the desert. So here, this group of, of um, Israelites have wandered around for 40 years aimlessly, you go and look at, at what is today modern Saudi Arabia. That's where they march. It's not a big land. <laughs> 40 years. And now they've come to the edge of the Jordan River from the east side. So they're facing west, uh, if you look at the map. And so they've come and they're camping on the east side of the Jordan River. And Moses has now died. And Joshua, as his kind of second in command, has now taken over. And he has this daunting task of leading the Israelites now into the promised land. Yeah. It's an amazing story. It really is. And and what I love is that this, the story of Joshua and the Israelites is this, this awesome testimony of, of just how far faith and obedience will get you. Just how far faith and obedience will get you. And for the purpose of this episode, I want us to focus on Joshua specifically as the individual. Um, and I, I know that it'll be purely speculation on our part. There's no way for us to to tell precisely how Joshua felt at different moments. But I mean, the guy was a human being. He was he was no different to you and me. He had human emotions. He he felt things, um, and I think it'll help us to relate to Joshua in the story. So we we we're looking at Joshua. Joshua went from being led by Moses in a desert as you say, just wandering aimlessly to then being called out as the leader of the Israelites and ultimately the man who would take them through to the very land they'd been hoping for, ultimately see this hope and this, this dream realized. How much, how much pressure do you think Joshua felt to not mess up, to keep 
on the straight and narrow to not somehow send them on the wrong path again. Yeah, I think there was enormous pressure, as you say, you know, to kind of put ourselves in the story and imagine what it must have been like. Just, you know, you can identify with this immense pressure. If you just try to imagine yourself being Joshua, ordinary guy, I know sometimes we look at the Bible characters and we go, wow, they must have been super saints with this, you know, one track, you know, um, a channel to God. And no, they were just like us. Yeah. And and so I, I think there are a couple of things. Firstly, uh, what we do read of in um, in the books of uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, how, how Joshua spent a, a lot of time close to Moses. Uh, he spent time lingering in the presence of the Lord. He spent time uh, in the tabernacle. He spent time up the mountain um, with Moses, and and so and so he was obviously a man that was that was being that was being prepared spiritually. He spent every time he could, every moment he could, learning from Moses and spending time with the Lord. We know that of Joshua. So, you know, if we think back into our own lives now, how important that is to spend time with mentors, to spend time with leaders, those who have gone mm. ahead of us, because we never know when it's our time. Yeah, We never know when it's our time to step up. You know, if I think how grateful I am to those that went before me, the, those pastors that I had the chance to serve under, Mm. And I learned from them. And, uh, you know, so when I stepped into the role of being a pastor on my own, not a youth pastor associate, I felt well prepared because of those that had gone before me and what they taught me and the example that they had set for me. And then also just, you know, to spend that time with God, no matter what season of your life you're in. Right now we're in a tough season um, just because of what's going on globally and what's happening in our own country and our city and our workspace and, and so on to spend that time, time with the Lord. Because we never know what the next season is, is going to hold for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and I think that stood Joshua in, in good stead. But then again, I think, wow, now you're on the edge of the river. You Now Moses, and it's quite blunt. Hey, I, I think we touched on this at the start of the series, just how blunt God is when he says in the opening few verses of Joshua chapter 1, now Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you. <laughs> yeah. Gather the Israelites and we're going to cross the river. It's kind of like almost this break from the past. It's almost like God saying, Joshua, now it's on you. Now it's on you. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's going to feel like God is going to put it on us to go, now's your time. Now it's just you and me and we're going to do this. And so are we ready? Well, we're going to be ready insofar as we've spent that time with the Lord and we've, we've allowed God to build us and prepare us for whatever the next season that he has for us to step into by faith. But at another level, I think, I think maybe... Maybe Joshua must have had a, a fair amount of doubt because he had been there before. He was one of the spies, along with 11 others and Caleb, well, Caleb and him and 10 others, that um, 40 years earlier had crossed the river. And they had come back full of faith. But the other 10 had ultimately led the whole nation of Israel into a kind of rebellion against God's purpose. No, we yeah. can't do this. There are giants there. We don't want to. We're scared. Can't we go back to Egypt? And as a result of that, it was a colossal failure because... That's why they spent 40 years wandering around. Yeah. So I imagine if I put myself in Joshua's shoes, is this going to repeat itself all over again? Yeah. You know, are these guys, we're going to send out spies and the spies come back again? You know, are these, you know, this next generation going to revolt like the previous yeah, generation? Exactly. Spending another 40 years wandering aimlessly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it real. It, it makes does. it real because like the kind of doubts that you and I would have about the promises of God are, you know, Joshua had the same promises. Same doubts. Yeah. But now, and that's why I think God says, be strong and courageous because you're going to yeah. need it. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there's no other option, really. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now Trev, you, you touched on something there about 
about being led by those who came before you and and seeking out those mentors, seeking out those those people to to draw some wisdom from. Um, do you? I mean, if you look at it the other way, what sort of encouragement would you give to those who have have the opportunity to mentor, to disciple, to look at those younger than them? Um, and to see the opportunity they have to impart some wisdom, impart some knowledge. Because in the same way that Joshua had to look at Moses, Moses had to impart. He had to impart knowledge. He had to impart wisdom. Um, what sort of encouragement or or potentially even challenge would you give to those who have this ripe opportunity to share wisdom and knowledge, but are maybe just not seeing it? Yeah, I think if, if we look at it holistically in our lives, the reality is wherever we are right now, there are always people around us that are following in some way. Um, maybe they're just generationally. I mean, if you think of a family, if parents, you know, children, that's the next generation. Always think, you know, those are your first disciples if you're a parent. Um, mm. It's always going to be your children and the investment that you're making in their lives, holistically and particularly spiritually, obviously. But I think even if you if you look at a church context, the family of God, so you broaden it a little bit, uh, we we have people that are coming behind us, uh, obviously in age, but not always and not limited to age. I mean, it could be just in terms of spiritual maturity, new Christians or uh, believers that have drifted away and now come back. Who are they looking to? They're looking to those that have gone before, those who have perhaps walked a more consistent road, those who have been longer on the journey. And and I think if we if we take stock of our lives, we go, I've always got something to give because there are always going to be those that are ahead of me on the journey. There are those that are with me on the journey, so at a kind of a similar stage, and there are going to be those who are behind me. And if I look at that opportunity and go, the way I live my life today and the way I conduct myself and the way I share and and impart is going to have an impact on the next generation, then I'm able to embrace that and go, Lord, use me. Use me. You don't have to have a formal position to do that. Yeah. Like you're obviously uh, our firehouse leader. There are those teenagers that look up to you. But you don't need that position. You don't need a position to, it helps sometimes in, in obviously a ministry context. But just the fact that you are in your mid-20s, there are those, you know, behind yeah. you who are looking up to you anyway. Just as you are looking up to those in their 30s and older and, and so on. So if we look at it in, in, in a very simple way, there are always those ahead of us, mm. those that we're learning from and those behind us that we have the opportunity to impart to. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, as, as you've just said that it's not about the, the position, because I think quite often, particularly as a young person, the tendency can be to believe that you are somehow underqualified Correct. or that you don't have anything to give. Mm. But just as you, as you've said, the fact of the matter is wherever you find yourself in life, there are people who are looking up to you yeah. in some way. Yeah. And they don't necessarily need to be 10 years your junior or something. They can be your very own peers who are looking at your life and looking at the way you're living your life and trying to get something from it. That's right. So it's very, very good, Trev. It's very, very good. It's just about keeping our eyes open to see that. So, you know, we're, we're looking at Joshua and that responsibility that he had. Now, Joshua had the responsibility to lead a nation. That's, that's no easy task. And, Something that can be easy to forget is that by the time we join the Israelites in Joshua chapter 1, they've already spent decades in the desert with Moses. Mm. It would be safe to assume then that everyone up to the age of about 40 had no recollection of the hardships in Egypt. The very situation that God had rescued them from is now a part of their history, as, as it is, but it is only a part 
that was experienced for some of them, only a portion of them. Now, Joshua had that uncomfortable job then of motivating people, trying to get them to latch onto this hope when they did not share the same experience or history that he did or some of the, some of the, the older Israelites did. Right. Now, Trev, for you personally, as a leader, how difficult is it to lead people or motivate them when they may not have a so-called, and in, in inverted commas, rich history with God to call on? That's a really good question, and I think it's a challenge that, that all leaders are going to wrestle with at, at some stage. I think there, there are perhaps two dynamics here. The one is a shared history, as, as you've just alluded to. And, and so um, Joshua and Caleb had that history, but the rest of the Israelites didn't. But that's not the only part. The other part is a desired future and, or a shared future. So shared history is important because it, it kind of grounds us in people that have had similar experiences to us. So when, when we look and we go back over our lives, those who have shared part of that history or have come from a, a similar dynamic are able to identify. So uh, when you connect with somebody who's had a similar experience to you, there's a, there's a connection that you have with that person that you won't have with somebody that doesn't have that shared history, obviously. So, so it does help with, in, in a sense of identity, in a sense of uh, connectedness uh, and that kind of thing. But the most important thing in Joshua and the more important issue in our lives and particularly as, as leadership is, uh, is concerned is not so much a shared history but a desired future and a shared wow. future together. So what Joshua was doing was, and again, back to that statement that, that God makes right at the beginning, Moses, my servant, is dead. The old is gone. The rest has been buried in the desert. Now it's a looking forward. Mm. The most important thing now, Joshua, essentially what God was saying was, what lies ahead of you? What is done in the past is done. Egypt is a distant memory. The rest of the disobedience is dead in the, in the wilderness, essentially. Now you and the sure. group of people that are alive have the opportunity that your forefathers did not. They forfeited it, yeah. in a sense. You have an opportunity now to a new future. My desire for my nation all along, uh, a land of your own, the, the inheritance that I promised to, to Abraham. And so, and so essentially what pulled them together then was not the shared history, was now the shared future. That sure. um, the inheritance that God had, had promised his people. And so, and so I think part of our journey as leaders is to, is to look at what is that shared, that shared future, whether it be as a family, whether it be as a church, whether it be as a nation, uh, what is that shared future? What does it look like mm. that we all buy into? Not because, not because we have to, not because we're coerced into, but because this is the promise of God for us. So if we're talking as a nation, what do we want post-COVID? What, when the pandemic is done, what do we want? We want a better country. Yeah. We want a better country, a better life for all, a, a country that is, that is showing the same resolve to rebuild the economy as we're showing to fight this, this pandemic at the moment. Sure. That is not something I have to be coerced into. I live here. I want it for me, for everybody. Yes. So, you know, it, similarly in terms of faith, the parallel of Joshua in the new covenant is Ephesians 1. Every spiritual blessing is ours mm. in Christ. Who doesn't want that? So what are we doing? We, we're not trying to force something on anybody. We're going, this is our shared future. We have more in God to fight for. So everything that we do in church life is, is designed towards experiencing and embracing the fullness of, of a shared future that we have in Christ. Yes, it is my individual responsibility. So I can sit at the back and kind of just look, or yeah. I can engage fully. But we're moving towards something that's not created by me or the elders. or, or it's, a, it's what God has promised us, that we're going to fight for by faith. 
And it's that very fight and that future that pulls us together. Mm. Wow. Wow. I love, I love that. I love that, that it's, it's, it's looking on, it's looking forward to a shared future that we can all fight for. Yeah. Now, Trev, a very, a very clear principle that we can take from looking at the early days of Joshua's leadership is this, that when God is for you, who can stand against you? Mm. Um, you know, God says that to Joshua when he says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid for I'm with you. You know, if, if I'm for you, who can stand against you? Now, once again, looking at your own life, Trev, as a leader, as a husband, as a father, as a man who God has given much responsibility to, how does this principle of, if God is for me, who can stand against me, how does this principle affect your life and your decision making? And how would you encourage others to apply this principle in their own lives? So I think the simple truth that God is with us is probably among the most fundamental truths of, of the scriptures. You know, there are many things we don't know. There are many things we, I know some of us are wrestling with, you know, why has God sent this pandemic? Why has he not answered our prayers more in terms of stopping it? And these are always the kind of questions that come up at a time like this. And there are no easy answers to that because we simply just don't know. But there are many things we do know. And one of the things that we, we know the most or should know the most because it's reiterated the most in scripture is God is with us no matter what. He doesn't always explain himself, but what he does do is he goes to great lengths to explain that he will always be with us. So there are things we, we're not sure of, but there are things we can be assured of, and one of them being God's presence with us, no matter what. And so, so that then should essentially define our lives, that we are not journeying this journey of life or this journey of faith with a distant God sitting up in heaven waiting for us to arrive. We have a, a story of ourselves engaging with God on this journey called faith. And, and so God is this ever-present one with us on this journey. And I think that's a story and part of a, uh, the journey that is worth articulating. And often we don't do that. We, we, we kind of keep faith very private um, or, or very kind of generic. Perhaps the best way to answer the question is to articulate that as part of our story and part of our journey. And that's where I think testimony comes in, um, sharing this belief. Because if it's part of your life, it should be easy to share of how God has been with you in that situation, all this and so on. So take, for example, where we are right now, going through this pandemic. All of us should be having a, a story or uh, be able to point to what God is saying to us, what God is doing in our lives. Maybe we can't articulate it right now, but maybe in a few months' time, we're able to look back and go, this is how God was with me through this. This is how God showed his favor towards me. This is how God answered my prayers. This is how God intervened in my circumstances. Yeah. And that becomes part of our story. That becomes our testimony. And I think Part of the, the journey is sharing that testimony because that makes it real. If I can share then, as, as you've often heard me do, as I've heard you do, I, I can share how scripture or our truth or my journey with God relates to an everyday example or something that I'm facing, something I'm going through. Then it makes it relatable. And go, well, okay, so I understand now, not just from scripture or because I read it in the Bible, I understand this is how God was with Trevor, this is how God was with Kuhn, or this is how God was with Sons in their story, in their journey. If God can do that for them, then God can do it for me. So it makes it very personal. It makes it kind of real. So I think one of the best ways we, we honor God, one of the best ways we encourage one another, 
one of the best ways we, we pay tribute to this very truth that God is always with us is by referencing that in our lives by yes. way of testimony, by way of answered prayer, by way of just sharing our story. Even when we go, you know what? I don't understand what's going on. And, and my prayers have not been answered right, but I know like I know God is with me. Mm. You know, I know like I know. And that's not just like a dismissive statement or because it's the right thing to say, spiritually speaking. But this kind of real sense, this real sense that, hey, actually, I, I just feel a peace. And I just feel like, like God's got this. You heard people say that from yeah. time to time. And I think it's a great testimony of the simple truth that God never leaves our side, that he's always there. And part of our story throughout history will always be God with us. How God has intersected, led us, built us. None of us build our lives alone. We just don't. And so the more we articulate that, though, the more we share that, the more we reference that, the more people are able to see, the more we see God at work in our lives. And, of course, that has a massive spillover into our faith. Because when I can see and track God in my life, then I go, wow, God is there. God is there. God is there. So the crisis I'm facing right now, I go back, as Israel did, to reference how God was with them all through their history. And then I go... Well, if God was there and he's always been there, then even though I might not see him right now, I know he's here. Wow. Wow. Trev, thank you so much. Thank always you good. so much. No, pleasure. It's been wonderful. It's been an awesome way to kick this off. I look yeah. forward to the next time we get to sit down and chat like this. Um, and Trev, I leave the final words to you. What, what little nuggets of spiritual truth would you like to leave with our listeners today? I think... The story of Joshua is just such an encouraging one. You know, I think, as we mentioned earlier, Joshua just being an ordinary person just like us, faced with this daunting task of leading the people into the land of their inheritance. And that simple truth, as we've just touched on, um, where God comes, he says, I'll be with you. I will be with you. And we're reminded of what Jesus said to his disciples um, before he ascended back to heaven. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. That That is the promise of all promises of God to his people here on earth. There are many times, maybe even now, that you're not sure where God is right now and why stuff is happening around you that you don't understand. And, and it's tough. But know this, and we anchor ourselves in this truth. God is with us. Why? Because of covenant. He can't go anywhere. He's, he can't because he's covenanted. You know, you and I think of covenant in very loose terms. We, we don't fully grasp. But we've just got to believe that covenant means I'm with you no matter what. I don't quit. I don't go anywhere. I'm with you. And, and that gives us great comfort at a time like this, especially at a time like this, that, that God has got this and he's got you and he holds us in the palm of his hands and he's not letting go and he will see us through. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, be encouraged, stay safe and God bless. Bye.